So let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. We, we thank you really for your goodness and your mercy. We thank you that you call us, you enable us, and you launch us into ministry. Help us to realize that calling that you've called us with. And we know that calling is irrevocable. And our desire is really to know you, to be found in you, and to make your name known. And all God's people said, Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to look at two verses this week, and next week we'll look at two verses, and then we'll jump and pick up some more verses. But the context of this message, I think, is very important that I want you to catch. That's, again, 2 Timothy chapter 2, and we're going to look at verses 1 and 2. The, the, the cross-reference verses, for those that are just visiting today, will be on the screen, but the main text, uh, you'll need to have your Bible open. Well, I titled this message really as uh, A Soldier's Converse. See, Timothy is really about being a soldier, being a faithful soldier, and wanting to hear those words, good and faithful servant. I believe that's true for every person who's in Christ, wants to hear those words, good and faithful servant. You want to please your mother. You want to please your father. Remember as a kid, make it a mess, thinking I'm going to please my mom, and I made a mess. But she was pleased at the heart. And that's what God looks at, is our heart. Now let's read our text together here. In verse 1, it says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things which you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who are able to teach others also. First of all, I want to call your attention to the fact that what this is not about. This is not about this notion of apostolic authority passing from one generation to another. We lay the hands upon this one and lay the hands upon this one, and, and it's been laid back all the way to Jesus Christ, and that authority comes through a, a certain individual vein. That's not true. That's not what this passage is teaching. This is not even teaching that thing that we ordain pastors or we ordain elders. It's not teaching that. But what it's teaching is the importance to God of raising up leaders, raising up faithful men and women who can teach the Word and pass it on to that next generation. Every generation has the responsibility to raise up a new generation that are faithful men and women that can be entrusted with the Word of God. God calls them, but remember this, and we'll talk about it later, is God calls, he God enables, but you still have a free will choice. You'll either follow God or you will not follow God. You'll either follow him with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, or you will be in rebellion against God. Now here, the encouragement is, is Paul's writing, this old man, this old preacher knows the importance of passing on the word he knows what god is going to have for him he knows all that timothy is going to go through in the context of trials and tribulations and he's coming along with these words exhorting him but at the same time he's encouraging him he knows the importance of that calling 
And Timothy has that same calling that Paul had. And that same calling that Timothy has, you and I have. Well, what do you mean? Look on the screen with me. Matthew 28, look with me. We see the Great Commission beginning in verse 18, and Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples in all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. You know, I like that last part. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Mike, the Lord was with you up here. The Lord is with me here. The Lord is with you when you go in the community, when you are sharing. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He will hold you up. He will gird you. He will strengthen you. Timothy needed to learn to rely upon the Lord more and more. We're going to see the importance of that. I remember when I went into ministry. I was so fearful when I went into ministry, whether anybody knew it or not. Why am I the pastor when they've been Christians for 20 years and 30 years? Why am I here? Because God's calling. God may put you in a similar situation. His calling is His enabling. God sends the best for the situation that He wants to work and that He will get the glory through your life and through my life. We'll look again. Verse 1, we see the strength that is provided. You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. If Timothy was to be effective in his calling, in fulfilling that calling, he needed strength. He needed to be strong. He needed to be strong in, in the Lord, which means strengthened inwardly. He needed to be spirit-led, but spirit-empowered. You can strive all day in your flesh, but you need the Spirit of God to do anything of any value. So this conveys the idea of strengthening the soul, the inner person. The Spirit, when you are born again, comes in your life, and he works in you, and he wants to speak through you. He wants to lead you. He wants to prompt you. He wants to convict you when you need convict, convicting. He will exhort you when you need exhortation. Notice again, he needed to be strong, that inwardly strength again. Now, but remember this. There's always two parts. See, there is God's part. God calls. God is wanting to pour into you, but it's your choice. Will you let God work in you? Will you let God work through you? If you're having a problem in your marriage or in your workplace, will you allow God to lead you, to guide you, to strengthen you, to give you the wisdom? James talks about, again, if anyone lack wisdom in the context of trial, God will give it. He's there. He's, he's with you. But you must let him, you must not just believe in your mind, but in your heart that you will trust him. And Timothy needed to learn this in, in a practical way. So the phrase, be strong, is an imperative. It's a command. 
God says, be strong today. It's a command. You cannot do it on your own. I cannot do it on my own. I'm, I'm a failure when I try it on my own. Does anyone understand that? Oh, yeah, you've seen me. No. But you know in your own life, you need the Spirit of God. And so often, he allows us to fall, to fail, only to reveal his mercy and his grace to you and me. Now, it's important to remember Every one of us are called to some type of ministry. Not necessarily here in this building. That's wonderful. And if God's called you, I say, step to the plate. But he's called you to make you a minister. I believe that he's revealed that to each and every person in their life, even when they're very young. He instills something in you, a desire I remember when I was young, I was going to a cult-like church and I wanted to be a minister. And I, I never remembered that until I became a pastor. God was already working when I was a young child. God was working in you when you are a young child. He's working in your children. He's working in your grandchildren. And as those that are older that have grandchildren and children, our part is to fan the flame in their lives to teach them what it means to be strong in their own life because God wants to use them. There is a world that's going to hell. There's a world that is lost without him. And every one of us can be used in some capacity and know the joy of being used. There's no greater joy than leading someone to the Lord. God wants to use you and he'll put you in that situation just to reveal himself. So you call somebody, and it's the right time when they needed encouragement. This morning I sent out a little email. A very few words, we're praying for you. And I received this email back. I was depressed. And you don't realize how much that meant to me. Now, he doesn't always have me do it. He wants you to do these things when God puts someone on your heart to encourage them. Because it's not about a pastor. It's about every one of us ministering. We're all ministers of his grace. Well, back to the context again. Timothy needed to, to be strong. He was commanded to be strong. But it's interesting. It's also in that present tense that means he needed to continually be strong. Keep on being strong. Oh, it's really easy all of a sudden to, to be strong and then just kind of flop over, kind of give up. We take all of our energy for that, that one moment. But God wants us to continue to be strong. And we cannot do it apart from Him. You can think in your own life, those times that you thought you were strong, you were strong because of circumstances, but you were a failure. Here's one for me. When I had a, a nursery and, and there was a guy that he said, I wanted my dog back, and they'd beat their dog up. And we'd take the dog to the hospital and fix the dog, and, and the dog was living with our dog, and they said they wanted their dog back. So I get on my electric car, go over to their house, and I realize I'm driving right in the middle of a gang. And I said, you know, if you want your dog back, that's fine. I understand. But he probably won't stay because he likes hanging out with my dog. 
but it's only fair you pay for the hospital bill. I went back around the other side, got around the side of my house, and I about collapsed on the ground. It's real easy to be strong, and then you realize what you did. Or maybe God has called you to do something, and you take that step of faith, and, and then you fall apart afterward. God will never leave you, forsake you. He will keep you, and he will make you strong in each and every situation. The point is we need to learn to rely upon him. Will you rely upon him? So he needed to keep on being strong, and that, that's important to understand. And the way to notice the way to be strong is in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Every one of us here need the grace of Christ Jesus. See, it's not in our own power. It's not in our own efforts. It's not in our own wisdom. It's not in in just getting a brother or sister to pray for us, but it's reliance upon Jesus Christ. It's drawing from his power, his grace, something that you're unworthy of, but, but he wants to lavish you with his love. He wants to lavish you with his grace because you're the apple of his eye. His focus is upon you. He is going to make you and me in the image of God. And this is what he's doing in Timothy's life. So Timothy would hear those words one day, good and faithful servant. How pleasing it is one day when you and I hear those words. I wonder in my own life, have I been faithful? Has anyone ever wondered, have you been faithful? Have you ever wondered, are you going to hear those words? Sometimes we feel like failures. He is the one that will make you faithful. All we need to do is rely upon him and his grace. So, Timothy, what do you need to do? Well, you need to let God make you strong, Timothy. Allow God to strengthen you in the same way that Timothy needed to. Allow God to strengthen you, to build you up, to bring you into relationships with other people that will encourage you and build you up, even provoke you onto good works sometimes. Every one of us here like the comfort zone. We have our comfort zone, don't we? And sometimes we need to be moved out of that comfort zone. We need to be stretched for one purpose first. That is to know God is mercy and grace. Know that he wants to use you and me. How powerful, how wonderful that God could use you and me. You're in this place, just like the book of Esther, in this place, this time. For such as this, he wants to use you. In your friends, in your family, in this ministry. God's part, he's providing this. Your part is to receive from him. To draw from his, be strong, but be strong in the grace of Christ Jesus. Look with me at John 15 on the screen, verses 4 and 5. Abide in me. And I and you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless you abide in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches, and he who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. It's really easy to kind of do it in the flesh, do it on our own ability, right? Really easy, just walk out the door. 
D.L. Moody said something that caught me years ago. He says, I did great things for the Lord for the first 10 years of the ministry. And then he said, God did great things through me the last 10 years of the ministry. Sometimes we're in the way of what God really wants to do. We're full of excuses sometimes. It's been true of me. And I imagine it's true of you as well. Wherever you're at in this life, you're there not by accident. For such a time as this, there's someone, something that God is wanting you to be a part of. To see his love and grace and mercy lavish upon someone else. Look with me in 1 Corinthians 15.10. But by the grace of God I am what I am. And his grace toward me did not prove vain. But I labored even more than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God in me. Remember Paul, he, he strove in the very beginning. He was so sure he was right for the Lord. He was doing the work of the Lord. But he was going against the goats. Going against what God really was. And then God stopped him. In Acts chapter 9, not really in Acts chapter 9, but that's where you read it. On the road to Damascus opened up his eyes, his mind. And he learned that he was going against God. And from then on, he began to surrender his life and God used him in a credible way. Persecutor of the Christians. Now leading people to the Lord. Now, we're reading the very book that he wrote. God wants to use you just as he used Paul Again, notice the subject proclaimed. That's also in verse 2. Notice what it says, the things which you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses. It's interesting, that phrase. It's, it's very similar. You've heard from me. It's very similar, again, to a passage that we saw back in 2 Timothy 1.13, that idea of sound words which you've heard from me, and we saw those sound words. They're healthy words, yes. They're words of life, yes. But what's important to understand is what those words were about. They were teaching the very word of God. It was the whole counsel of God's word. It, the whole counsel is not every word, dot and tittle. It's knowing, again, this is very important to understand, knowing the author's intent. Why is this passage in the Bible? Why is this book in the Bible? How does it fit with everything? How does it glorify God? What does it tell me that I am to be doing and what you are to doing? It's knowing that author's intent. Well, certainly, it's referring to the simple teaching, the gospel, the gospel of Christ Jesus. Now, think back with me, Timothy. Timothy was with Paul on that second missionary journey. He, he traveled with him. In fact, Acts 17 talks about that, that he was there with Paul and Berea. And some of the cities that they would have went before that were Pergia, Galatia, Mycenae, and Troas, Neapolis, and Philippi, uh, Apollonia, Thessalonica, and finally in Berea. Again and again, Timothy would have heard the one message. What was that message? It was Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ crucified. It wasn't always the message that people wanted to hear. It was the message, though, that they needed to hear. They were words of life. 
They were words of hope. And that's what we do. We bring words of hope. We give a reason why we live, why we serve the Lord. When we portray, when we picture, when we give people, again, the gospel of Jesus Christ, what he's done. When people see that they're sinners separated from God and they know that Jesus died upon the cross, that was the message. Timothy understood it. In fact, he was born again prior to that. And everyone recognized there was a change. in Everyone was encouraged him to go. They saw the hand of God upon his life. And that's why Paul wanted to take him with him. He knew the message. He knew it well. It was the same message always. It was about Christ Jesus. You have one message. The message of Christ. The hope in Jesus Christ. He's coming again. We don't know when that's going to be. Some people would like to say it's today. That would be wonderful. Maybe tomorrow, maybe 100 years. It doesn't matter. We see all the prophecies culminating and about to be fulfilled. But God is the one that's in control of the time. The question is, are you ready to go today? But at the same time, we're to occupy until he comes. We're to be faithful what he's called us faithful stewards with the opportunities he gives us looking around and seeing what god might do in your life and through your life well timothy needed to be a strong teacher and that strong teacher brings the truth of god's word thy word is truth and when a person knows the truth the truth will what isn't that wonderful the truth will set you free but Hang on. The truth will set you free more and more each day because we don't always step to the plate right away, do we? Like peeling an onion away one layer at a time and all of a sudden he begins to reveal something else in your life, in my life. Here's, a, here's another change, Ron. Here's another change I want to make. Tenderly, gingerly bringing us along. The devil, on the other hand, is condemning you the whole way. You ever hear that voice? Well, why should you even go to church? Look at the way you act. Look at what you said. That's not the Lord. That's the devil. Well, how did Timothy know the preaching and teaching Paul was true? That's always the question. People ask, how do you know it's true? Have you heard people ask that question? Well, for Timothy, it's the same way it is for you and me today. By many people that bore the witness, looking at their lives, looking at the changed life, looking at the healed marriages, relationships, knowing their past and what they become, their desires today, the things that they abstain from. When they wrong somebody, they say they're sorry. What can I do to make it right? There's a change in their, their attitude where they used to, to blow it and get angry. Anyone still get angry today? I still have my moments. But I'm going to tell you they're less and less. And I'll tell you when that anger comes up, I'm not in the spirit, and God quickly, gently shows me, Ron, do you know where you're at? Giving me every opportunity to repent and say, I'm sorry, please forgive me. That's a changed life. That, that's a testimony. And this happens supernaturally. 
in a person's life. There's a, a, a deep conviction of his presence. There's been times when I just felt like God is right here holding me, comforting me. Someone has brought a, a word of encouragement exactly at that right time when I need to hear that word. And I know it's God speaking through that person. And you see, those people who were so far away from God are the ones that are bringing you the encouragement. The perfect peace. The peace that passeth all understanding when you're in the will of God. The absolute assurance that when you close your eyes in this world, you will open your eyes up to Jesus. That is the most wonderful thought. I think the greatest thought as a parent, knowing that my kids are saved, that if anything would ever happen to them, why I would grieve in this world, I know that I will see them again and I will be with them in all eternity. Such peace, such hope. The world cannot offer you that. I've been at so many funerals that people don't know whether they'll ever see them again or where they're at. So confused. That indwelling presence of, of God just changes us. A person's converted. And Timothy was converted and he knew that, that experience. All of a sudden, that, that supernatural hunger for the Word of God. A sincere desire for the milk of the Word. Wanting to grow and wanting to mature. That personal salvation that he knew in his own life, he sees it now in the lives of others. Now, the, the people that he's talking about, he's describing, you know, he's, he's talking about wanting faithful people to pass the Word on. The Word he describes uses to, to be trustworthy, dependable, reliable. Sometimes we don't like these words. And ask yourself, do, do people really see you as someone they can, you can be trustworthy to, that they can confide and pour out their heart and it will stay only with you? Or reliable in that sense that, that if you say you're going to do something, you're going to do it? If all possible, you're going to be there? That they can lean upon you and know you'll be there? Dependable? These are things that God works in the life of a believer. And this is what Timothy is to be looking for, these kind of men. This is what was being forged into Timothy's life. And these are the things that he was to be looking for in the life of others. The message was pure, and this is what it produces in a person's life. They're washed with the water of the word. They're cleansed. They're empowered by this word. And they're set free in the word to minister and share. Well, notice the, the substance is pure. And we're talking again about the message. The, the word of God itself is pure. It's, it's unmixed. It's undiluted. It's the pure word of God. It's not man's opinions added to this. It is the word of God. When you read this, God is speaking to you. Isn't that awesome? I was thinking this morning, I was in Psalm 83, one of the places I was in, and I was, I was thinking how the psalmist was crying out to God. He did not hear his 
voice. He didn't hear him at this point. He was going through this dry period of time, but he had known God's voice. He had heard God's voice, but it was his sin that had separated him. God was disciplining him. I want to hear God's voice like that, and that's what a believer does. You need to be able to hear that voice of God. It may be an impression in your heart, in your mind, confirmed by the word. It may be through the word that God speaks to you. Why, I do believe he speaks audible. I've never heard him speak. I've heard it so clear. It was as if he was saying, Ron, and he didn't say Ron, but it was so clear that it grasped me when it spoke to me. He says, seek me, you'll find me. When you seek me with all of your heart, when you're seeking him, he will make himself available. You want to know what God's will is? He will show you. He will meet you exactly where you are. The question is, where are you in your relationship with Jesus Christ? Is he preeminent? Are you passionate about your relationship with him? Timothy was to look for such men, men that had been converted, men that understood the purity of God's message. Look with me in 2 Timothy 1.13. We talked about it earlier. Retain the standard of sound words, which you've heard from me, in faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. Now, that word standard can mean a form, a pattern, a, a consistent method. The consistent method was bringing the consistent truth of who Jesus Christ is. That's the message we bring. We don't need to bring in a, a social gospel. We don't need to bring in entertainers. We need to bring the Word of God. We need to explain it, enable you to understand it, and then launch you out in this community to minister in the name of Jesus Christ. Look with me in Psalm 12, 6. The words of the Lord are pure, as silver tried in a furnace on the earth, refined seven times. The idea is it's tested, it's proved again and again, and they are true. The Bible's been tested and proved time and time again. Prophecy has proved time and time again. You can count on it. You can lean on it. Notice again, 1 Peter 2, 2, it says, like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the word so that you will, may grow in respect to salvation. See, the born again, this idea, he changes. That's what the word of God does. It gets in you. It's living. It's active. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It changes you from the inside out. Now, that word purist means it's unmixed, undiluted. It's unadulterated. Nothing has been added. That's what you need. In Psalm 119, 103, notice what it says. How sweet are the words to my taste. Yes, sweeter than honey. It is sweeter than honey. When you're going through trials and storms as you grow and mature, you realize that you can rely upon his words because they are true and they are honest and they are pure. And every promise he's given you, you will receive. They are comforting, assuring. Notice again in verse 2, we see students are prepared. It begins with, entrust these faithful men to be able to teach others 
also. And trust. Th that idea, it's very important that, that he is to watch and look for what God is doing. He's to entrust what? Faithful men. Paul's at the end of his ministry. He's passing on the baton to Timothy. And Timothy, you know, there are men around you. Men who have been faithful in the ministry. Men that you've been able to watch and see as we've gone through and minister. You need now to pick these men. Now he says entrust or it's commit. Commit to these men. Commit with confidence over to another that to send them out in ministry. This is very important. Timothy, this is your responsibility. Entrust it. It's not just about one person. It is empowering people to go out with the word of God. God will use you. Not only is he in trust, he needs faithful. As I mentioned, they're men that are reliable, dependable, faithful. But they also need to be able. Able, what do you mean able? It means they're competent, sufficient, adequate. You know what that means? People are sometimes looking for people with all these special qualifications out here. Look for someone who is just faithful to the Lord because God will give him exactly what he needs. He will make him a teacher if he calls him to be a teacher. If he's an evangelist, he will give him the heart of evangelists. He will reach out to them. He, he will pour his love in. So he has to go and share the faith with others. Also, he needs to teach which means really to instruct by mouth. First, we're going to live it out, yes, but it has to be spoken. People have to hear with their ears and their minds and their hearts to respond to that. You know, if there were no teachers, well, if there were no listeners, no disciples, there'd be no need for teachers. And if there's no teachers, there's going to be no disciples. They hinge together, and it's God that opens up the minds. Now, Amos 8.11 has spoke to me many years ago. Let me read it. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread or thirst for water, but rather the hearing of the word of God. We're in a day and age when people don't want to hear the word of God. How can you be born again if you do not hear the word of God? In this case, context was Israel. When they were backslidden, he was referring to them as Jacob in their backslidden place. You want to live like the world? Then fine. Your mind will be blinded. Again, Israel had rejected the words of the Lord, and God was going to blind them. So he was to look for a faithful student, one that is teachable, one who is hungering and thirsting for the, the word of God, the word of righteousness, who wants to be used. That's important. Hungering, thirsting for the righteousness of God and wanting to be used. That's what he's to look for. And to make a disciple, that's what you're looking for, is those that have that same heart. Because you can't make a disciple if they don't really want to hear the Word of God. And we're called to go and make disciples. Teach them to obey and follow Jesus Christ. 
we need to know that the Lord is, is in great need of servants. He really is. Oh, not that he has to have them. He could speak from the heavens, but he's chosen man. In fact, he's chosen you. He's chosen me. He's chosen the foolish things of the world that confound the wise. And he wants to use us. I'd like to share a story. I thought it was kind of somewhat close to home. There's a story as told of a tree called a banyan tree. It said that nothing grows under the banyan tree despite it being a great tree. The banyan tree spreads its branches, drops its air roots, develops its secondary trunks, and covers the land. It's said that a full-grown banyan tree may cover more than an acre of land. Birds and animals and humans find shelter under the shade of the banyan tree, but nothing grows under its thick leaves. When it dies, the ground beneath it is barren and scorched. The banana tree, though, is opposite of that. Six months after it sprouts, small shoots appear around it. After 12 months, a second circle of shoots appear beside the little ones. 18 months, the main trunk bears bananas which nourish the birds, the animals, the humans. And then it dies. But the first offspring are now full-grown. The six months, they too will bear fruit and die. And the cycle continues unbroken as new sprouts emerge every six months and grow and give birth to more sprouts and bear fruit and die. See, some servants, they're like the banyan trees. They have a great influence. Their works are widely productive and beneficial. However, they do not pray. Prepare for the transition which will allow the emergence of other servants. The Lord wants us to give our best service to help others to give the best at the same time. See, each of us are to pass a baton onto that next generation. One of the most important things, and I know I'm preaching to the choir. We don't have a lot of kids here at this, this moment here. But you have grandkids. Your kids need to see that you love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and strength. They need to see you worship Him and love His Word and live by His words. And you can disciple those and pass on to that next generation. Raise him up, preparing them. Otherwise, you may be like that banyan tree. Notice again in verse 2, who will be able to teach others also? All that idea is here, a, a spreading is, is, is propagated. You know, the word is to go out and it's to be fruitful in life. Again, I want to share something. And, and Paul used no clever tricks, not one. He didn't use any sideshows or promote contests or give away something free if you come and hear from him. He simply brought them the very word of God, the truth that would set the people free. He didn't arrange for special tours to Jerusalem. He just simply brought them the Word of God. It was interesting. Corinth, Mars Hill. He preaches a sermon. He speaks to the people, the philosophers. He meets them right where they're at. 
Not one church was established. And actually, when he comes to Corinth, he determined to preach one thing, one thing only, Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ crucified. Every one of you, like Timothy, have heard the message of Jesus Christ. Every one of you know that he has gone to the cross and he has died for you, for me, for the world. We, too, are to bring this message. We, too, are to bring it to a world that doesn't know. We, too, are to pass on to our kids and our grandkids, our neighbors and our friends, the truth. But sadly, many have never led a person to the Lord. That's one of the things the Lord calls us to do is is to, to go and make disciples. In fact, Jesus says, if you continue in my word, and continue in my word also means obedience, that that we will pray, God, give me an opportunity to share my faith. Give me an opportunity to help bring someone into the kingdom, to bring my, my mother, my brother, my sister, my friends, my neighbors. We, too, have that same opportunity. We know it just as Timothy. And we, too, have to rely upon the grace of God. We, too, need to be strong in that grace in Christ Jesus and bring this pure word of God. Sometimes people don't. And God, if God has poured his love at our heart, we will love the lost. It's very hard to love an enemy, isn't it? Someone that's wronged you? If you begin praying for that person that has wronged you, I believe that in time, God will tear down every wall and put you right with that person and you will be best friends. I've had that happen in my life and the life of others. When we decide to be strong in the grace of of God. Just as Paul poured his life into Timothy, he was passing on the baton, we too had to pass on the baton to your grandkids, to your kids, to your neighbors, for the time is near. While it's not in the text, I'd like to finish with it. It's really the, the servant's steadfastness. Timothy needed to look for someone faithful, someone he could pass the baton on to, someone who would trust in the Lord. Bob Pierce, a a man, founder of World Vision and Samaritan's Purse, in fact, used to tell the story of a Korean pastor whose village had been overrun with communists. They had determined to stamp out all the profession of Christ. The pastor was arrested and incessantly brainwashed. At last, when they thought that he had broken him, his tormentors issued an ultimatum, death or public reputation of his faith. But the whole local community would be there to see it. The pastor agreed to stand as required before the flock in the village and and make his confession. The people came far and near, rounded up by the communists to hear the man deny his God and blaspheme the name of the Lord. 
The congregation huddled together tearfully, anticipating the worst, making excuses for their beloved shepherd. The guards stood by with their weapons. The pastor, feeble from his suffering, arrayed in rags, appeared and mounted on the platform. He looked at the guards who gestured to him and threatening with his weapons to get on with his public denial of Christ. For many years, he said, I was a pastor. I labored among you, teaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I taught you to repent of your sins. Put your faith in Jesus as God's Son and your Savior. And I taught you to believe the Bible and to live a clean and pure lives. And then the communists came, and they have taught me I was mistaken. They taught me that the Bible is a book filled with lies and mistakes, that Jesus is not the Son of God, and the right way to change society is by revolution, by listening to Karl Marx and Lenin. They've taught me the church is an instrument of American imperialism, and that I've been duped into serving foreign interests. I'm here today by the courtesy of the party to tell you these things. My lessons have been long and thorough. And the pastor paused and looked about and at the soldiers impatiently gesturing him to get on with this little flock, hanging their heads in shame, the villagers gazing before them. Then he lifted up his voice. I want you all to know that it is all gloriously true that Jesus is the Son of God. And he died for your sins and for those of my communist guards. He's mighty to save all those who, and his words were drowned out by the thunder of firearms cut short by the bullets tore through his body. The brave pastor had taken his stand, fearing God far more than man. We need to be steadfast in our faith. Jesus Christ was steadfast. He went to the cross. 